Welcome to Mountain Mama's Misadventures, stories of mishap and adventure from women adventurers. Every woman has a story she can share from the zany to the inspirational. Brought to you by Mountain Mamas, a nonprofit women's adventure organization. Women empowering women to adventure. My name is Emily Hacken. And I'm Deborah Moore, and we are your hosts. And we're so excited to have Ember Pilati back with us again. She came previously on another episode a empowerment episode and we brought her back again. She was the featured speaker for our women's retreat this winter that we did for Mountain Mamas on self-compassion. And we thought, let's share her words of wisdom with the world. <laughs> I'm so thrilled to be here. It's just such an honor and to come back. Thanks for having me back. That's uh, well, amazing. Well, I mean, as many times <laughs> as you want to come. <laughs> awesome. like, I always want to like, we can't have all your secrets. I know you need to save them for being your wonderful life coach. <laughs> But we'll take all the good ones you want I'm to share. I'm always happy to share. Happy to share. <laughs> well, Ember's originally from Murray, Utah, currently lives in Spanish Fork, and has five kids married 24 and a half years. Pretty impressive. To the same man. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so it's been an adventure. <laughs> <laughs> and she currently works as a life and relationship coach. For how long have you been doing that now? Three years. Yeah. Awesome. Yes. And... And I host my own podcast as well. So, and what's the name of that? Emerge Empowered with Ember Pilati. So. Mm. Emerge E M E R G E mm -hmm. Empowered. Yes, with Ember Pilati. Yeah, we'll put that in our show notes. <laughs> <laughs> so, a fun fact about you is that you mentioned that you also had the best frown in sixth grade. Not, not just the best frown. You won an award, you won right? Award. Yes, voted best. Brown. It's like my claim to fame. <laughs> Some people are voted like most likely to succeed. Nope. Best frown. There you go. I think you, I wish you guys could see Ember's frown she was showing. It's like a cartoon half moon frown. It's it is like really the perfect frown. I bet your teacher in sixth grade was like, well, you got to get an award for that because that's amazing. Right? It's like as perfect as you can get. <laughs> I'm glad someone appreciates my good frown. <laughs> so did it sh just show up on like a yearbook or how did this? Like... Yeah, it was, we were voting for the best of or most likely mm -hmm. to be for our sixth grade yearbook. Yeah. And so that's what I got voted. <laughs> I love it so much. I, I bet with a frown like that, you, you blew away the competition. Yeah, yeah, it's hard to <laughs> hard to beat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is so funny because you're such a happy person. I know I just think that's it's why it's so funny because yeah, your yeah your disposition is not <laughs> it's not cranky or anything like by any means. Um, I, whenever I see you, you're always smiley and happy, so it's so funny that you can just really quickly have that like wah, wah, yeah. type of frown. And you got to tell us the technique. You said there's multiple facets to having the perfect frown. <laughs> Well, it's, it's a just, trait, really. it is a trait, really, because when I smile, my mouth just goes back instead of up because all those muscles <laughs> are just really good at going down. I don't know. <laughs> it just, I guess. It goes back and then down. Yes. It's fantastic. It's like a little, you know what, you, the quirky things that you can do and share. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. There yeah. it is. Everyone's body is special in its own way. <laughs> Right. I love right. it because I was actually literally talking to my 12-year-old about traits. Well, they brought it up. Traits this morning about ones that they got from, like, from me. And, and yeah, I was talking about, like, oh, yeah, can you move your ears? I'm like, no. I was like, no, I can't move my ears because I can do that. But mm -hmm. but then being like, but I can, like, 
Oh, what was it? I don't know, but it was something like, I can roll my tongue this way, but not this way. <laughs> so it's kind of like you're saying with the trait of the frown. Everyone has their special quirks. Yes, <laughs> we love it. Yes. So we're so excited to hear you share your wisdom that you shared at our women's retreat this year on this wonderful seminar that you gave. So take it away. Okay. Well, we entitled the class, as I talked with Marilyn, we entitled it Learning the Art of Self-Compassion. And it really is something mm. that we learn mm-hmm. and it becomes... Um, an art, really. And it doesn't come naturally to most people, but it is a really powerful tool to have in your toolbox. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm curious to know, you both, you both of you were there. I'm curious to know what you thought when I asked what your inner critic said to you. Did you know right away what your inner critic says to you? Ooh, I would say it's a lot of just doubts. I'm sure mm-hmm. like everyone mm-hmm. is. Mm-hmm. I don't get a lot of the you're worthless and you're not like, because I know those are real. I remember learning as a youth. I had some people, leaders or mm-hmm. someone was just like, like the things you tell your mind remembers mm-hmm. and that it tells you that as your new truth. And so I remember that being a hard thing that I've tried to learn over the last like 20 years is when my brain starts to think those, that I just have to shut it down. Because I always feel like there are enough people criticizing mm-hmm. me that I don't need myself to do it. So I'm always just like, nope. And so I try and just at least bring myself to neutral. Like, this feels uncomfortable. I may not be good at but I'm like, yeah, you know, using the yes. Mm-hmm. And, the, and then just like, okay, we got this. It'll be okay. But yeah, I've learned I have to have to shut it down really quick. That's so beautiful. And what a gift. What a gift that someone taught you that young. Because a lot yeah. of people... Don't. Yeah. They don't know that. And I'm sure I was taught that young, but I don't know that it stuck. Um, (laughs) Right. Yeah. yeah. No, it's like at the time. So definitely um, back in the day, um, you know, working through an eating disorder and all of that sort of stuff and moving beyond that, the way I think about myself and whatnot now is vastly different, Mm -hmm. vastly different than I was like a decade ago. And so now it, it's not that immediate, thankfully, you know, that thing. And actually, instead of, I, my technique's a little different, but instead of shutting it down, it's more of a, okay, I understand you're trying mm-hmm. to help me. You mm-hmm. think that this is a scary situation. So you're telling me to, you know, to be small or act like everybody else or whatever, but it's okay. I'm mm-hmm. actually not in danger. And, um, and then going from there and actually even creating like a, a bond or connection with that mm-hmm. inner critic mm-hmm. and realizing, oh, it's trying to keep me safe. The problem is that the work deadline or the look that somebody gave me in like a checkout line or whatever is not death, is not the <laughs> dangerous tiger that it thinks that it is. Right. Well, and both of you bring up really, really good points. First of all, that you realize your thoughts create your reality. And Mm -hmm. so you're careful about what you put into your mind and how you talk to yourself. And Deborah, the thing that you talked about really is at its core, Mm -hmm. self-compassion, that that inner critic is actually a part of us. Mm -hmm. And so to try to silence it or say, I'm not even going to listen to you, right, sometimes isn't as effective as acknowledging it and Mm -hmm. saying, I hear what you're saying. And like Emily, you were saying, I'm going to choose to think this mm-hmm. or choose to say not yet or something like that. So at its core, both of you touched on really the heart of self-compassion, um, that we are the creator of our reality 
and that we can do it in a compassionate way and that we don't have to shut mm-hmm. down that part. It doesn't work to just be a bully back <laughs> to the inner critic mm-hmm. because it is a part of us. Yeah. So it was interesting at the retreat. So many women came up to me after and they were like, they either knew right away what their inner mm-hmm. critic says or it took till the next day when they went repelling <laughs> for that to come out, right? And I was like, yeah, nothing like repelling to really get your inner critic working, right? Mm-hmm. And it was interesting, just so fascinating to hear what they had to say. But we really did talk about that inner critic, how to answer it back, acknowledging mm-hmm. it, um, and then acknowledging that you can choose something different and more compassionate way. Um a powerful exercise we did was the three chairs mm-hmm. exercise, oh, which yes. I think it, most people don't really think about. I think we're, if you're at the level of consciousness of, yes, my thoughts create my reality and things like that, that's great. But some of us don't recognize all the parts. So we set up three chairs, had a volunteer come up and she was able to share what her inner critic tells her, right? Mm-hmm. It was powerful. Mm-hmm. And it was super very vulnerable. Super vulnerable. Um, <coughs> she was so brave. And so many women in that room were nodding, could relate. Mm-hmm. It was super powerful. Yeah. And I think a lot of us can relate to that. And then we had her move to a chair of how that part of herself that's being criticized. And that's the aspect of ourselves. I don't think we recognize or fully are conscious of that wounded part mm-hmm. of us mm-hmm. that when we are harsh and we are our own worst critic, what we're doing to ourselves and that we're inflicting that pain upon ourselves and that part that is hurt mm-hmm. and wounded. And that to mm-hmm. me was is such a powerful perspective that I don't think a lot of us mm-hmm. really come to consider. Mm-hmm. And then we had a third chair practicing being the compassionate observer of this inner critic and this inner voice, you know, the, the back and forth and what that compassionate observer would say to that wounded part of yourself. And it's just pulling apart a few layers, mm-hmm. going a little bit deeper. Um, our mm. volunteer was super vulnerable and did an amazing job at opening up and hopefully, and you guys can give us some, give me some feedback, but hopefully my goal was to have everyone see that we can be a compassionate observer. If we can pull Mm -hmm. back from that emotion just a little bit and just see what's really happening within ourselves, then that is powerful. Absolutely. And, And one thing that I really, really love is that, like, you know, you were talking about, like, even if we know like it, knowing on a conscious level, these are my thoughts, da, da, da. That is still so different from everything that exists on a more powerful, deeper subconscious level that really drives the bus as it were, unless we're able to pull things apart. But where you add something physical, mm-hmm. where you're physically moving into a chair, well, that, I feel like that ties way deeper into that primal part of our brain. Movement ties mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were saying with repelling. I think that's something that our listeners could do at home on their mm-hmm. own. Is like, take a minute by yourself and, yeah, find three things to sit on. Okay, this is me being criticized. This is the critic. And then second chair, like you're saying, 
this is the person who's being criticized and then sit in that third spot and go, this is the compassionate observer and see how you feel. Like do the exercise mm -hmm. yourself. Like Debbie says, you know, that kinesthetic experience really is powerful than just thinking about it abstractly as we're talking here. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah. No, I mean, and it even, it even clicked a thought um, for me when you were explaining it that way of one thing back in the day when I was trying to conceptualize things myself, where if you had two kids and one kid is bullying the other kid, um, you're going to move those two kids away from each other. Mm. You're going to move them away. Both of them probably need hugs, <laughs> yes. but you're going to move them away and you're going to take care of the one who was wounded and everything. Make sure they're okay and you're going to hug them and you're going to love them. Then you're also going to go and see what's going on with them and try and understand them. And the if, bully. Yeah, yeah, the bully. And if mm -hmm. they need, you know, and then whatever reparations they need, sure. But yeah, but they both need to be seen seen and heard. Yes, but you still don't, but you don't just leave the bully next to the kid who's being mm -hmm. vulnerable while you're trying to help the bully be kinder. You're like, let's move you apart. <laughs> let's take care of you. Yeah. Then let's figure out what's going on here. I love that example. I love that example because... So often we don't recognize those parts of us, especially mm -hmm. that wounded part. Yeah. Um, one quote that I shared in our um, presentation was, you don't want to beat yourself up for beating yourself up in the vain hope that it will somehow make you stop beating yourself up. <laughs> oh my gosh, right? that's so funny. But it's funny, but it's funny because it's so true. That's what we it do. Is. Yeah, it's like we, and we wouldn't treat anyone else that way. Mm -hmm. But we think it's okay to treat ourselves that way. And mm -hmm. so fascinating that we think that that will motivate us. When mm -hmm. we know as parents or in other relationships that that's not very motivating mm -hmm. to other people. But yet in some way we think that maybe that will drive us to change, right? And mm -hmm. <laughs> I just, it's so interesting to just see that perspective. But I'm glad that the chair exercise was well-received. Um, a lot of women, I think, have not quite pulled back. I love, Emily, your suggestion of, of someone doing that at home. It's mm -hmm. absolutely something you can do at home and just peel back a few layers and see what it's really about. So I wanted to go into what self-compassion really is. Because sometimes when I say self-compassion, people are like, oh, you mean like self-pity? <laughs> I'm like, um, oh, wow. no, self-pity is different, right? Mm -hmm. It has a different feeling. So um, I'll touch quickly on the self-pity part. And then I really do want to get to the three parts of self-compassion, yeah. even if it's briefly. But um, self-pity is more that we're immersed in our own problems, that it's exaggerated suffering that we ignore our connections with others. We usually, we tend to isolate and say, I am the only one who has mm -hmm. felt this way mm -hmm. and no one else knows how I'm feeling. It's, it really is indulgent and usually turns into poor habits. Um, comparison mm -hmm. is a part of self-pity um, among other things, right? And feeling sorry for yourself. I think that's the root of all self-pity is just feeling really sorry for yourself and then it turns into those ruminating negative thoughts, mm -hmm. right? Um, things like poor me or why is this happening to me? Those are key indicators that you're sitting in a place of self-pity and self-compassion is not that. <laughs> yeah. And I think it's good to distinguish sometimes to say what self-compassion is and what it is not. Yeah. And it is not self-pity. Where self-compassion is that we really recognize that other people have problems too. This, mm. this, 
theme of common humanity, that even if this experience is different than someone else, the feelings someone else has felt before, the feelings can be the same. Guilt, hurt, sorrow, loneliness, you know, Mm -hmm. anything. Um, And self-compassion is really more of a balanced view of our suffering. It's not giving into it and making it worse, and it's not pushing it away and saying it's not there. It's just being present, recognizing this is how I'm feeling and being okay with that. So self-compassion involves more of a viewpoint that we are all human. We all struggle. We have a common humanity in the fact that we feel emotions the same, that we are part of this human family and that we all struggle, right? That you're really able to step back and see the bigger picture that it's not so isolating, that you're not the only person who has ever felt this emotion, yes, right? Yes. And and just see that bigger picture, which is so helpful. It just helps you so much. It also plays a key component in your love and acceptance of yourself mm-hmm. and your true self, right? Yes. All the parts of you and, and just acknowledges the emotion and you're able to process it. So it's really, if you want to think of it kind of on a continuum, that one one way would be avoiding emotion and pushing it down. And I don't want to feel this way and not allowing yourself to feel it. Where on the clear on the other end would be indulgent and giving into the emotion and letting it just run so much of your thoughts and your life. Mm-hmm. Where self-compassion is really about this balanced um, take on it that... Yes, I feel the emotion. Here it is. I'm going to give myself some compassion and allow myself to process through it, which is so Mm. healthy. And that's really where you want to be. So just making that distinction between self-pity, where Mm -hmm. some people are like, but isn't self-compassion giving in? And I'm like, no, (laughs) it's anything but. Uh That's self-pity. Self-pity is giving in and saying, oh, this is horrible and I'll never be able to recover and things like that. Where self-compassion says... This is hard, and I recognize that this is hard, and it's okay, mm-hmm. and I can talk kindly to myself, and I, I know I will be able to get through it. There's a difference. Mm-hmm. There's a different energy. There's a different outcome. So, Yeah, yeah. and like you said, because it also there's a different way that you're treating other people around you while you're dealing with this because of that isolation and self-pity, mm-hmm. then you're kind of expecting other people to take care of you in some way or to at least, you know, or, or whatever it may be, but you're not asking them. You're just expecting them to read your mind. And when they don't, you get mad <laughs> yes, as, mad. A, as opposed to like a self-compassionate, like, this is what I need. And I'm going to mm-hmm. see like, and I will ask people. And if they can't do it, that's okay. I'm going to find somebody else who can, or I'm going to find a way I can. Mm-hmm. That's a very, like you said, very different outcome and energy. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, definitely. So I, I have some common phrases to help people start with self-compassion. And the question that I want someone to ask themselves is, if I had a dear friend, a really dear friend or a beloved child who was going through something hard, what would I say to them? Mm-hmm. And, and really think about what your inner critic naturally says to you, right? Mm-hmm. And what you would say to someone else going through something really hard. And usually those phrases are different. Mm-hmm. Usually they are. That inner critic tends to come up with, you should be able to handle this, or 
why, why me? Or things like that, where self-compassion comes in and says, if this was someone that I dearly love, what would I say to them? And it would most likely be, I'm so sorry that this is a hard time and I'm here for you, right? Mm -hmm. Or giving them comfort in something, some way, like you're not alone, or I'm here for you, or I'm here to listen, or I'm sorry that you have to go through this. Or these challenges can be painful. Um, so thinking of phrases that you would use for someone else mm -hmm. can really be helpful. And, and you have to practice them. I was going to say, so, and I think they would be a little different for everyone because you mm -hmm. would express your, your own empathy in different ways. I mean, like maybe even writing them down, like, what would I actually say, you know, what, or what have I said that was really effective and comforting? And then like you're saying, practice saying that mm -hmm. to yourself is a big deal. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I know one of mine for sure is definitely the, you're doing better than you think you are. Yes. Ah, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. And how often do we say that to ourselves? Yeah. Like, yeah. Not yeah, at all. So like, much, really? It's so much easier to say, say it to other people or we think it is until, mm -hmm. like you said, so. And how powerful, yeah. like when you said that, you're doing better than you think you are. And if you turn that mm -hmm. inward, you know, mm -hmm. Ember, I'm doing I'm, I'm doing better than I think I am. Mm -hmm. It has a whole new energy than, why can't you do this? Yes, or, 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 yeah, or like you said, the the one that definitely sounded very much like my own is the, you should know better than this, or why haven't you done this yet, <laughs> mm -hmm. or da-da-da, mm -hmm. versus like, no, clearly, I, I, I shouldn't, because I didn't, so. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, and, the, and it's and interesting that like, yeah. the, the inner critic kind of preys on your natural insecurities. Mm -hmm. So I, I have been a perfectionist for years. I've practiced it really well. <laughs> um, I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist. <laughs> so my inner critic says, well, that was a total failure, mm -hmm. implying that I am a total failure, mm -hmm. right? So I think that sometimes that inner critic in us knows, mm -hmm. it knows where we're vulnerable and where it will really hit home. Mm -hmm. And if we can have some self-compassionate mm -hmm. phrases to say to ourselves, to answer back, that's a huge step in the right direction. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. just like, if I can answer that back, well, that was a total failure. If I can say, well, Failure means I'm trying, uh -huh. and that means I'm on the road to success, and I will always try. Yeah. And as long as you're moving forward, mm -hmm. you are learning, mm -hmm. and so it's always, it's always, hmm, okay, what could I, like, like you said, like if somebody else, like if you were saying that to me, I'd be like, well, what went right, and what can you learn mm -hmm. from it? And so like you said, like, like <laughs> right? <laughs> it's so, so it is, it is so good to separate and then be like, mm -hmm. okay, like what went right? What did I learn? <laughs> You know, mm -hmm. I, I, yeah, I remember someone else like was saying, I can't remember it was, it was like the rice was stickier than they wanted. They're like, that was a complete failure. And I was like, we still have rice for dinner. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, like, like I was like a complete failure. I'm so, like, even though we say that we wouldn't say this to other people, the reality is we sometimes subversively say mm -hmm. it or subtly mm -hmm. because I've noticed, I, I thought I was like treating myself always the worst. And I noticed I became a much kinder and nicer person to people around me in a more genuine way when I did that work. Yes. Like then mm, I was, then yes. it wasn't just being like saying the right thing so people will like me, but genuinely being like, oh no, this is great. This is fine or whatever. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You bring up a really good point, Deborah, And that is that if we are truly going to have compassion for other people, 
it Mm. starts with compassion for ourselves. Mm -hmm. Because if we're being judgmental of ourselves, chances are we're being judgmental of other people. And I think sometimes Mm -hmm. we can recognize that easier when we're being judgmental of other people. And we don't really realize that correlation. But if we can let go of some of that judgment, that harsh critic of ourselves, Mm -hmm. it's so much easier to embrace other people and and be compassionate to other people in our lives. I think that's such a key component. Mm -hmm. So amazing. Yeah. Amen. (laughs) Oh, you had some phrases here. I would like, I wanted to, I'd love to hear you say some of those. Yeah. You had some like actual phrases people could use. (laughs) I know. And they won't come naturally. So that is I like to offer some phrases mm-hmm. to get your, your mind going. So, well, one way to do that is to ask ourselves, like we talked about, what would you say to someone else that you loved? What would you say to them? And then another question I like to ask myself to come up with my own phrases is, what's really true? Mm. You know, you mentioned the rice example. Yeah. We'll go with that. What's really true? We really do have rice for dinner, <laughs> uh-huh. right? Did it turn out perfectly? Maybe not. Mm -hmm. And that's okay. What's really true? We had dinner. It was great. It -hmm. was, you know, it fed our family, right? So what's really true in this situation? So when I'm going through something hard, um, maybe it's a relationship that's really strained. What's really true? That I care enough to fight for this relationship. Mm. And those are powerful phrases that you can come up with on your own. So um, Mm -hmm. what would I say to someone else? And what's really true. And I love that too, because a lot of times the inner critic deals in the all or nothing. But yes. like, what's really true versus like, oh, I failed at everything. It's like, really everything? What's, what about <laughs> this thing? What about this thing? Yeah, what about this it. thing? What about, mm-hmm. yeah. Yes. I love that you brought up that the inner critic does tend to, to deal in black and white thinking. And usually the, tri- tr- the truth lies somewhere in between. Mm-hmm. It's not one way or the other, right? And so just, and and I do think that your soul will tell you what's really true in the situation. So yes. some other phrases that um, can help you think of some more on your own. It is safe for me to show kindness to myself. I can be gentle with me. Um, some of us don't even feel that safety within mm-hmm. ourselves, Um, let alone around us, Mm -hmm. right? So to create that safe place inside of us, it is safe for me to show kindness to myself. Giving yourself permission, I think Mm -hmm. that's huge. I deserve compassion, tenderness, and empathy for myself. Um, So often self-compassion does not come naturally. Mm -hmm. So giving yourself that permission and knowing that I really do deserve this and I can give myself tenderness and empathy. I'm not the only person to feel this way. That's turning mm-hmm. into that common humanity. I am not alone. Um, so much of our mental health um, crisis right now mm-hmm. is loneliness. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Loneliness. And just being able to turn outward instead of inward is a huge step. Mm-hmm. It, just a huge step for all of us. So um, changing is never simple, but easier if I stop being hard on myself. <laughs> Back to that. Stop beating myself up or beating myself up in the vain hope that I'll stop beating myself up, right? Changing is never simple, but it's easier if I stop being hard on myself. My mistakes just show that I'm learning and growing. Back to that Mm -hmm. failure thing, Mm -hmm. right? My mistakes show that I'm on the right path of Mm -hmm. growth and I have to fail. I think, I know my children are learning more about the growth mindset Mm -hmm. and that learning is not linear, 
-hmm. that it yeah. is just, I'll try again. And that's part of the path. So I think, can I throw a couple yes. things on that? Yes, a scary thing. Yes. Good job. <laughs> yes. I always like to think of it as like, this is the 1.0 version of whatever, especially mm -hmm. with something brand new mm -hmm. I'm trying. Um, this is the 1.0 version. Like it's, yeah, it's like okay. That. And the next version that comes by will be a little better. And mm -hmm. as I'm learning and then I'm, I'm debugging, I know yes, okay. I love that analogy. I feel like it's okay to just like go at it and just take a stab in the dark. You know, mm -hmm. you don't have to have all your ducks in a row sometimes to just go for something like this is the 1.0 version. And I'm just like, this is what it's going to look like first. And then when I try it again, it'll be a little different, you know, as I learn. And then also the other thought I, I love is that, um, I think someone who recognizes themselves through the steps of failure makes a better teacher. Um, mm -hmm. And I think the best teachers are ones who remember all those steps. Mm -hmm. Like when this first happened, this is how I felt. And this is how I overcame that. And then I tried this and this and this. And that helps you, I feel like, also look outside yourself and think, you know, I may be struggling through all this. But if I pay attention to all this struggle that I'm doing then I can go back again and help someone else on that same path. You know, not just ignore that none of that happened and I just went from one step to step 10, but like remember mm -hmm. all those steps like that will, yeah, that it really does mm -hmm. help other people too. Oh, that's and cool. That's beautiful. That is beautiful. And what a gift, right? That we can say, allow ourselves to have the 1.0 version. <laughs> that it doesn't have to be perfect, right? Yeah. It doesn't have to look a certain way, but that we are going to throw it out there this is 1.0 debug. I love that. My husband's a computer programmer, so I'm like, oh yeah, debug. But you think about any software, any app, how often are we updating it? Yeah. All the time. <laughs> right? Because it's a learning process. And then I love, Emily, that you brought in this factor that we can use that knowledge, that experience to guide someone else through. Yeah. That is so beautiful and really plays into that common humanity that we can be a guide for someone else and remember what it felt like. Mm -hmm. I think that is so beautiful. So yeah. beautiful. Cool. So, so a few other, um, phrases you might want to just try out. I like to say it's like clothes, just try them on, mm -hmm. see if it resonates. And then if not make your own outfit, you know, but a few more phrases. I accept all of me, both the best and worst aspects of who I am, right? Mm -hmm. That full acceptance of this is who I am. And I love every part of me because you can't just hate parts of you and say that you love yourself. We love all the things. We, we all have strengths and weaknesses and that's okay. It's okay that I made a mistake. I forgive myself. That's huge for some of us and hard to say. Um, and if you're not quite there, a bridging thought might be, I like to use bridging mm -hmm. thoughts if it's too far and your brain's going to say, I don't believe that, mm -hmm. or I don't know, that's just too far. I like to say, I'm learning mm -hmm. to forgive myself mm. or, um, forgiveness is within my reach or something like that. Mm -hmm. So that it's, it's kind of training your, your mind to, to accept that that is a possibility, right? Mm -hmm. Just opening yourself up to that. Mm -hmm. um, I'm free to let go of other people's judgments. Mm -hmm. That can be super powerful and um, mm -hmm. really plays into this self-compassion. So often we take on other people's judgments of us and claim them as our own. Mm -hmm. And wow, <laughs> be careful about what you're taking on and other people's judgments of yourself. Um, I release myself with forgiveness from today and move forward with self-love. Um, 
kind of playing into that forgiveness mm. theme, which is so big. But I think forgiveness is a key part of self-compassion yeah. and, and owning and accepting yourself. And then I will soften, soothe, and allow the emotion. And we, I kind of took you guys through an exercise to learn how to soften, soothe, and allow that emotion. But the emotions are our friends. They tell us lots of things. They have good information for us that it's not something we should be scared of and and suppressing. Mm-hmm. And it's not something that we should be um, blowing out of proportion either. But just being present with, soften, soothe, allow, process through, and then they're not so big and scary. <laughs> I mean, processing could be its own oh. in and of itself. <laughs> many, many things, honestly. And and But I do love that you mentioned that because so often we think that either you're silencing emotion or you're acting it out. Mm. That you're either throwing things, mm-hmm. yelling things, you know, yelling mm-hmm. at people or you're stuffing the anger down. Mm-hmm. You know, like you were talking about that analogy with the beach ball. If you just hold it and pull it, you know, push it down, eventually it's going to shoot up versus, oh, I can actually feel angry. I can feel mm-hmm. the sensation in my body mm-hmm. without throwing things, without yelling. And that it actually is so much, like when you learn how to do it, so much more freeing and it has so much less power. <laughs> it does. Yeah, it does. I love that you brought up that analogy. Mm-hmm. And I, you bring up a good point. I wanted to talk about the three aspects of self-compassion. We've talked a lot about it through the whole podcast. Yeah. But to actually outline them, um, and that is self-kindness, common humanity, and mindfulness. What you're talking about, Deborah, is definitely about the mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Mindfulness yeah, is sense. all about being present with the emotion, making sure you're not like, you know, suppressing it, mm-hmm. pushing it under and, and afraid to feel it because yeah. then it does. Mm-hmm. It pops up in at unexpected times <laughs> and there's lots of intensity and, and you're not self-indulging like in self-pity that this is poor me and, and making it um, a bigger deal than it really is. It's that mindfulness of being present with it, allowing mm-hmm. it and, and being with it so you can process through mm-hmm. it and then it doesn't crop up at, <laughs> Unexpected times or places. You're not crying in R.C. Willie's. <laughs> right. <laughs> because right. a part of a movie you've never even seen comes yeah. on. <laughs> or if you've ever had like a, um, you're having an argument with someone else and all of a sudden something comes out of you that's unexpected mm-hmm. and way more intense than you anticipated. Well, it's probably because you've been suppressing some of that emotion, mm-hmm. right? Like yeah. you've been avoiding yeah. feeling it. And so then it comes out and... With a lot more intensity. I think all of us have experienced that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Which brings us to common Usually humanity. Usually children. <laughs> Usually yeah. children. You know what? Parenting is, uh, yes, it's a good hard look at yourself <laughs> and the work you've done. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Marriage. Marriage is another one of yeah, those, right? Too. Like all those close family relationships, extended family mm-hmm. relationships um, bring out all those things, right? But you bring up a good point in another aspect of self-compassion, which is common humanity. And we've mentioned this several times, Mm -hmm. but just that we are human, Mm -hmm. that we have a shared human experience and that if we can turn outward, if we can extend a hand, if we can extend compassion to others and and not make it all about us, Mm -hmm. acknowledge that it's hard and that other people suffer too. Um, just, it, it allows us, I think it's that pulling back, right? Mm -hmm. That stepping back, seeing things as they really are. It's Mm -hmm. getting a bigger picture, not just focusing in on us, but that bigger picture of 
there's other people who understand this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and then we're more likely to reach out. Mm-hmm. We're more likely to connect, um, which that's yeah. what yeah. we're wired for. Right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, but that does remind me once I was trying to work on, com- you know, like the comparison kind of thing. Mm-hmm. And rather than trying to just stop myself compar- comparing, which wasn't working, mm-hmm. uh, the next time I did, I thought, you know what? I really admire this thing about this person or like their hair is so nice or they always seem so calm. And so these are people I actually knew. So I just sent them texts and I said, you know, I really admire the way that you mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. And then I sent it off. And I had some action to do to get out of my head a little bit. And not only that, the next day it was like, oh, thank you. I was having such a rough night, you, mm-hmm. you know. And then I got to feel that joy of like, I did a thing mm-hmm. versus like, oh, like I compared myself in a positive way, making fun of somebody else. And now I feel better mm-hmm. for a fleeting, you know, negative right. moment. Right. Clever. Right. Yeah. right. But instead it was just like, oh, like, okay, like. It has actually helped me. Yes, and it does. It has <laughs> it benefits both ways. Yeah. That, mm-hmm. Like you mentioned, they benefited, so did you. You mm-hmm. know, it's it's that shared connection yeah. that's so powerful that we're wired for. We mm-hmm. are wired for connection, and yet so often we just isolate. So mm-hmm. I appreciate you bringing that up. And then the last aspect, which is self-kindness, and we really touched on that mm-hmm. throughout the whole thing, just how how you're talking to yourself and being really, really intentional about what you let in and what you believe. Thoughts come and go, right? And thoughts Mm -hmm. come from lots of different places and from lots of different people. Just being really intentional about how we speak to ourselves is so, so important. So yeah, self-kindness, common humanity, mindfulness, not indulging in that self-pity, wallowing in that indulgent self-pity, but just... Staying balanced, saying, yes, this is hard, and I've gotten through hard things before, and Mm. what do you need right now? That's a question that's probably a great thing to end on. The question I like to ask, what do I need right now? Mm. And then provide that for Mm -hmm. myself. You know, that's that's a huge, just sometimes we don't consider that, but it's super powerful. So, Mm. I love that. Thank you so much, Amber. It's an honor to have you here. Thank you so much. Such a privilege for me. Thank you. (laughs) I'm in beautiful company, and I just love you, both of you, and all that you do. And anyway, just so thrilled to be here. So thank you. You bet. And if the women want to hear your um, podcast, what is it? Emerge Empowered with Amber Pilati. All right. And then do you also have a website for our life coaching or things like that? Yeah. In fact, I have a new freebie that is all about self-care. If Ooh, that's something perfect. that interests them. Um, real self-care. And there's a journal page to download, but you can go to emberpilati.com for that. Fantastic. Okay. We'll put that in the show notes too. Oh yeah. It's just Yay. fantastic. You are just, I feel just Yes, an ocean of information that I just always am so glad to glean a little drop or two from. You're so sweet. Thank you for having me. It's been a delight. You bet. Well, to hear more fun, inspiring stories and empowerment episodes from women like Ember, please subscribe and tell your friends and do the things. And don't be afraid to get onto mountainmamas.org, M-T-M-A-M-A-S.org if you're in the Utah area. Um, We've got lots of cool ideas and places and we'd love to adventure with you. And we have amazing retreats with Ember and other women who just are just, oh, just fill up your soul. They really wow. are amazing. <laughs> <laughs> really, really. Yes. Excellent. 
that's it for today's adventure. Join us next time. And as always, remember, a woman's place is in the mountains. 